So we are in week seven of this series called Sermon on the Mount, and uh, this Sermon on the Mount is a series that basically takes uh, the most famous sermon of Jesus, and we just walk through it step by step, verse by verse. And, and I'll tell you what, there's a lot of weight um, that, that's on us for that, because, to, you know, just to even read the, the, the words of Jesus, but to, to preach re-preach his sermon. You know, it's like, okay, we want to make sure we definitely get this right because this whole thing is all red letters and so um, the words of Christ. But, you know, we talked several weeks about various things like the Beatitudes and it's, you know, blessed are these and blessed are you and, uh, and it's all about people who are sort of spiritually bankrupt and in need of God. We just got through singing that a little bit, a song about that. And then we talked a little bit about salt and light, about how you are, we are, if you're a blood-bought uh, believer of Jesus Christ, you are the salt and light of the world. Uh, we are the salt uh, in the fact that we bring flavor to the world. We make people thirst. We should make people thirst for righteousness, for what we have. We bring healing into this world with the hope of Christ. And like the moon reflects the sun, we reflect um, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're the salt and light. And then, then we moved on down to sort of the, the sin beneath the symptoms of, of, um, of this world. And so we spent a really a couple of weeks talking about those things, and, um, and it was all about, um, you know, keeping certain commandments, um, and, and it was really going far above and beyond what the commandments say to do. It's like, well, you've you heard it said, don't murder, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery, all of these things, but we're going to take it a step further. Instead of just committing adultery, I mean, it's a sin to, to be angry. It's a sin to look upon someone and lust. I mean, Jesus brought it to a whole nother level. He talked about things such as anger, lust, divorce, revenge, false promises, and uh, loving our enemies. And so um, we talked a couple of weeks about that. Then Jesus makes the shift uh, from things we should, um, we should not be doing to things we should be doing. Jesus focuses on three things, giving, praying, and fasting. You should give, you should pray, and you should fast. But Jesus knows that there's a temptation for us to do the right thing with the wrong heart. So when we do these things, we, we do all the Christian things, like what Christians are supposed to do, right? When we do those things, we must do, the right, do those things with the right heart attitude, bringing no attention to ourselves. And so couple of weeks about the things we should not be doing, taking it a step further. It's all about the heart. And then a week of talking about the things we should be doing, again, with the right heart. And then we took a break from the series last week as we focus on Memorial Day. I know, I know some of y'all were uh, able to attend that, that, that uh, unique service and, and to write those letters, and that was awesome uh, to be able to do that for our church. And those are going out um, this week. But... Um, but the week before that, I asked you this question. Again, myself also. Ponder these three questions. Where is your treasure? What is your focus? And who are you serving? Where is your treasure? What is your focus? And who are you serving? These questions stem from the biblical principle truth that says, where your treasure is, 
There your heart will be also. And I believe this is really kind of the core of the Sermon on the Mount. Where your treasure is, there is your heart also. What you focus on, what I focus on, is what we treasure. If you trust more in your abilities to provide than what God can provide, then you're serving the wrong person. If you're trusting yourself and you're more in your abilities to provide, or even somewhere else, I mean, some people depend on the government to provide, right? If you depend on somebody else or even yourself more than God, that shows who you, where your heart is, and it, and it, and it shows that you're not depending upon God. So today, we kind of take that theme of treasure and, and, and what is our focus on, and we take it even to another level. So the passage for today is extremely important for me. It was Monday evening of August 30th, 1993. Monday, August 30th, 1993, I asked my college girlfriend if she would be my bride. She said yes. Well, actually, she said, I guess so, but that's a whole other thing. But she said yes, yeah, I guess so. And, and so I, I prepared lots of things for this moment. And, you know, I thought if I did this on a Monday night, she wouldn't, she wouldn't take notice. Well, she knew all along. I cannot fool Suzanne. And so I had the ring had the flowers, wrote her a song, had all of these things that I did, but the most important thing that I did that day, even more important than getting down on one knee and asking her to marry me, is I read scripture. I read scripture. Now, there's lots of different options in God's word of scripture I could have read. I could have gone to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I could have gone somewhere in, in, in Psalms, maybe a little bit of romantic in, in Song of Solomon. I could have gone lots of different ways to, to make this sort of moment spicy and flashy and just romantic. But as I was preparing for this big moment, I, um, my heart and spirit was drawn to the passage we're going to read today. So imagine when we go to this passage, imagine, if you, and if you want to go to this passage, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. If you have your digital copy, printed copy, whatever, we're going to have the words on the screen. Um, but just imagine as we read, we're going to read these verses in, in one sitting, and imagine two young people about to start a new life together. There's, there's concerns, right? There's, there's worries. There are questions. There's fears. There's uncertainties. Well, what's going to happen? Anytime you start something new, you have those things. And so as we read this passage, I want you to imagine two people sitting together and listening to these words. Matthew chapter six, 
verse 25 through 34. And it says this. Again, this is Jesus talking. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Now, let's just stop right there. The word therefore is there for a reason. Because it it, it follows up with what Jesus has been talking about. Jesus has been talking about who do you put your treasure in? Who do you, what's your focus? Do you depend upon you, your own abilities? Do you depend on what God can provide? What, what, what is that? Where is your treasure? Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans, the non-Christians, the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be quite honest. That is a very unique passage to read when you're trying to convince someone to spend the rest of your life with. Right? It almost says, you know, I'm not sure how much food I'm going to be able to provide for you or how much clothes I'm going to be able to provide. I'm not sure what's going to happen. But guess what? No, don't worry. (laughs) Don't worry. No, but what it really said was this. We're, We're going to trust in God. We don't know where this life will lead. We are going to trust in God. And I tell you what, this passage... We have gone back to time and time and time again. We're even right now in a season where we are clinging to this passage, where we are just saying, you know what? We're not going to worry about tomorrow. We're we're going to focus on what God will provide today, and we are going to believe in that. And even we see many different seasons of our life. With, with, with the adoption process we had, and we, we had, um, had $32,000 of debt uh, d- uh, that we piled up in order to bring three kids, uh, three small children from Ukraine and, and add them to our family. And we didn't know what we were going to do, but we knew God wanted us to do that, and we knew that God was going to provide, and lo and behold, every penny of that was provided. And an incredible story that I know most of you have heard before. And, but you look back time and time again, as we look back on our lives, we've gone back to this passage, that same passage that became the DNA of our marriage and the DNA of our family. 
Little did we know that we had to go back to that time and time again. And so when, when I, I'm preaching this today, I'm preaching this passage as something that, that we, have, we have looked at, we have lived so many times, and we have to be reminded. And I'm not telling you that we never worry because, oh my goodness, we have worried. There have been seasons we have worried. Some of you have walked us through those seasons of worry and concern. And, oh my gosh, what's going on? What can we do? And how will God provide? But... But we go back to this, and as we dissect this this week, or this, uh, this morning, I want you to be open to what God wants to share with you today. Open your heart to receive his word for you today, because I believe it is powerful. So, to help us apply this passage for our lives today, it's important to understand the audience that Jesus was speaking to, the audience that was listening to the sermon. The people that were listening to the sermon were poor. They were poor people. Now, there were probably some scattered throughout this, maybe a few Pharisees, maybe some Roman soldiers. But for the most part, it was people who just didn't really have a whole lot. When Jesus instructed the people to pray for daily bread, it, that resonated with their life experience. Yes, daily bread because we depend on that daily. Now, they, this group of people may have, may have struggled with the previous teaching that we, that we talked about in the last few weeks about how we should not be obsessed over wealth. Okay? There's probably not a whole lot of people in this room that are obsessed over wealth. There's probably not a whole lot of people who's like, well, I have, you know, about a quarter of a million dollars in the bank account right now, and I really want to try to get, you know, a lot more than that. And so, you know, I'm, there's probably not a whole lot of people listening or in this room that, that have that situation. <laughs> You're probably like, okay, how long, how far can this stretch? How far can we go on this tank of gas? How far can we go on what's in the pantry? How far can we go? So Jesus shows us that even, but what Jesus is showing us is that even those who have little wealth, who live week to week, can become preoccupied with material things. Even the very poorest people can serve money instead of God. Even the poorest of people can serve money instead of God. To the poor, Jesus applies this by reminding them not to be anxious about money they don't have. And so if there's, if there's three words that really describes this entire passage, it's this, do not worry. It says it many times in this passage. Do not worry. Don't worry. Do not worry. Now Jesus is not telling his followers to quit their jobs or sit idly by and wait for God to some supernaturally come through, nor is he suggesting that it's wrong to earn money or to provide for a family. He's not telling his followers or to us today that, um, that we should not wisely save for the future. Of course we should. But in keeping with the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is commanding his listeners to take control of what is going on in their minds and their hearts. Their minds and their hearts. 
Another word for worry in the Greek is, is to be anxious. It means to, to care for or think about something. You're always thinking about it, always thinking about it. It means to be obsessed or agonize over. Jesus' point here is not that we should be careless, but that we should not be fearful. We should not be fearful. If you don't have the things that you need for tomorrow down the road, don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't be consumed by it. Don't agonize over it. Living in constant worry about money is a way of serving money instead of serving God. Let me say that again. Living in constant worry about money is a way of serving money instead of serving God. So, as we've talked about in the last few weeks, the people who are focused on money, they're always about trying to get more money and, and, and they're hoarders and all this stuff, and, they, and, and they're so focused on that. But people who don't have enough money, we can't look at those Rich people, those people who, who focus on money, and, and, and if we're concerned and we're worried and we're anxious about, about the things that, about meeting our needs, and we're always thinking about that, well, guess what? We are just as guilty because money has now become something that we think could help us outside of God. And so Jesus is saying, look, don't worry. Don't be anxious. To live and worry about money, we don't, have, uh, we don't have, is living under the control of money rather than the control of God. So we should be in the control of God. Jesus then moves on in this passage, and he gives us a couple examples with nature. And I love this. He talks about birds. He talks about birds. He talks about things that, that they back then could see and we could see as well, birds and flowers. When he talks about birds, he mentions that, you know, birds don't have any kind of organized uh, system for providing for themselves beyond the moment they're in. Still they eat. Jesus says, because God the Father feeds them. That is the work of God. You don't see birds, now you see birds build nests for their young. But you don't see them build any kind of nest for, for food or storage thing for food. They're just like, okay, it's time to eat. I'm going to go and find something to eat. God provides that. Jesus asks his listeners a very pointed question, and he's asking the same of us. Are you not more valuable than birds? Here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to take a moment and find, take half an hour, maybe more. Just find somewhere where you can watch birds, okay? I, don't, I mean, if you want to watch birds with binoculars, go bird watching, that's fine, but just observe a bird, especially in the morning or in the evening when they're coming onto your lawn. This happens all the time after I mow my grass. It's like they, they come onto the lawn and they just pick up stuff, Right? And just watch and observe. God provides all of that. Those birds aren't worried. They're like, well, 
it's time to eat. So I'm going to eat. It, it's, it's time, to, it's time to, uh, to pay the bill. We're going to pay the bill because God's going to provide. Now, you've got to walk in wisdom. You've got to walk in wisdom. I mean, you can't go buy a, a hot tub for your family if you, if, if you can't pay your, your light bill. <laughs> but we've got to walk in wisdom, but the Lord will provide the things that we need. We are more valuable than birds. Jesus urges his followers to trust God the Father to provide what is needed in just the right amount at just the right time. But Jesus also understands this. Anxiety is not like a hat. It's not like a hat. It's not like something we could take, uh, we could put on and take off. That's not anxiety. Oh, well, it's just not going to be, we're not going to be anxious. We're not going to worry. Oh, I mean, it's a part of life. In fact, there's so much going to be a part of life that that's why Jesus included this in the Sermon on the Mount. That's why he, he, he talks about worrying because he knew it would be something that we would struggle with, not just as listeners back then, but for us today. And so Jesus knows that anxiety is something that is easy for us to be consumed by. And he's just saying, look, just don't trust in your abilities or your or, uh, or, or money. Trust in me. Put your faith and trust in me. And this is what I believe. I believe this beyond a shadow of a doubt. God will put you in those situations to where you will have nothing else but to have faith and trust in him. When you're like, hey, I'm at the end of my rope. We have one can of soup. We have $2 in the bank account. I have one gallon of gas. And, and the power is about to be shut off. I'm at the end of my rope. God, I need you to provide. God, I need you. Oh, God, I need you. I believe he allows us as believers to be placed in those situations for us to see how God will provide. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And it builds your faith more and more. I know those moments aren't pleasant. And trust me, we've lived in those moments where we didn't know, hey, where, where, where are we going to get this money to, come, to pay the next thing or, or whatever? But just know this. We, as we've gone through those things and those seasons, and we're, we're, we're not, we, we haven't learned all the lessons. You know, we're, we're not, we haven't arrived. But there's, what we have learned in our family, and this being our past is our DNA of our family. We have learned, you know what? This must be God just wanting to test our faith. This is just God testing our faith. And I tell you, it's so easy because I'm a fix-it guy. I'm like, hey, we're, we're going to take care of this. We're going to sell some kids. You know, we're going we're to sell some cars. You know, we're going to do whatever it takes, you know, uh, to, to make this work. And it's so easy to get 
to go into, to this, uh, into our own ability and try to fix this. And yes, God has given us the ability, the knowledge to do things. And yes, we don't need to sit idly by. We need to do something. That could even be getting a second job, which I've, I've done before, okay? And we, we, you know, whatever it takes. But God, what he wants to do, so we're going to get to this in this moment. He's saying, look, just, just try this first. Try me first. That's all God wants. That's what Jesus is saying. Just try me first. If you have a bill that is due or a car that's broke down or, or, or you're, you just can't make ends meet, try me first. Get on your knees and pray. Read this passage. This is a great passage to read. When those times happen, and I'm telling most of you have been through those times. If not, you will. When that happens, read this. Get on your knees. Ask God, God, I need you. God knows what you need. He just wants you to ask. He just wants you to ask. So live like a bird. Live like a bird. Don't worry. It will be there for you. He uses another example of nature, flowers. They don't provide for themselves. They don't work. They don't spin yarn or whatever to make clothes. Even they were dressed even in more splendor than King Solomon. King Solomon was the richest person that's ever lived, the wisest person that's ever lived or will be in the Israelites, the people of Israel, knew stories. They've heard stories of, of, of King Solomon and how incredibly dressed he, 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 um, you know, he was and, and what he wore. And yet Jesus is like, look, the flowers in the field, they, they're more dressed than, than Solomon ever was. And, and in this passage, even, it, it, he even degrades flowers to just grass. Why? Because guess what flowers do? they eventually wilt and fade and die and wither and then they're cut up and thrown in the fire. But yet, while they are living, they're gonna be dressed. They're gonna be dressed better than anyone has ever been dressed on the planet in human history. But yet, a few days later, they're gone. Surely, you are worth more than those flowers. So here's your homework. The first homework was to go watch birds. The second homework is this. Go grab you some wildflowers. Pull them up. Put them in a vase. Put them on the kitchen counter, wherever. And just observe them. Look at them closely. And then know that God, even though they're going to die, God loves you and will take care of you more than those flowers. More than any of that. He will take care of you. And what, what Jesus is saying is worry shows little faith. Worry shows little faith. For the people who call God Father, worry is never the appropriate response to life. 
Human nature tempts us to fear and to have anxiety, but it's not how God wants us to feel. God, we, God is our Father. We've got to live like His children. Like if someone, if one of our kids came up to, to our house, let's say I have Lincoln. Lincoln, who's our youngest, and if Lincoln were to come up here and say, Dad, Dad, I, I, I'm hungry. I, I'm just starving. What do I do? I, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I guess I need to go out and go fishing and, 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 and get a bunch of fish and, 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 you know, skin them and gut them. And, yeah, he could do that. In fact, he did that this past week. We had dinner last night with a bunch of fish that he caught in Louisiana. He fished every day for like eight days straight. He's a madman. He loves the fish. But he doesn't go to me and say, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'll say, hey, son, come over here. Open the refrigerator. Open the pantry. Say, look, there's plenty of food here. Of course, you know our kids, they, there's plenty of food, yet they open the fridge and the pantry and say, I don't know what to eat. There's no food, you know. But they don't come to me with that. You know why? Because I'm their father, and we provide. We provide for them. It's the same way with God the Father and us. We don't need to freak out. Oh, God, I, I, I don't know where the money's going to come for the for the light bill here that's due in a couple of weeks. I don't know where the money's going to come through this medical bill. I don't know where this, you know, I, I just don't know. And you know what? You don't. But there's a God who does. There's a God who does. And instead of being anxious and worried, and yes, that's a very natural human response. And Jesus is saying, look, don't start there. Start with me. Start with me first. Try me first. I am your father. Live like a child of God. Live like a child of God. You don't need to live like the world. Let the world, the world freaks out because they don't have, they don't know God the Father as Father. So you don't need to try to be like the world. Like good fathers, God knows and takes responsibility to meet the needs of his children. We don't need to convince him of anything. He knows. So in the last part of this verse, the last couple of verses um, of this section, he talks about a very, very important scripture that a lot of people know. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, it's really easy to take that scripture. A lot of people take that scripture out of context. So seek first the kingdom of God and all these, and, and, your right, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. They, they take these things as, as meaning anything you want. Anything you want, you're going to get if you seek God first. Uh, no, that's not really how it works. Because these things, he's, he's talking about the things that, that he was just talking about earlier in the passage. Just go up a few verses, what we talked about, food, clothing, your basic necessities of life. Seek me first and my righteousness. 
And all these things will be given to you. They'll be taken care of. And it's all about the principle of first. We talked about that many times. The principle of first. Where we give God the first. We give God the first of our attention. The first of our time. We give God the first of our increase. That's what a tithe is. We give God the first 10% of what he's given to us. And we give it to the Lord. And say, Lord, it doesn't make sense um, how, how I can give this to you. But, uh, and, and my needs will be met. But I'm going to trust in you. God's like, hey, guess what? I got this. <laughs> I got this. Yes. But it's a principle of first. Just try me first. Seek what? First, not second. Don't give him seconds. He doesn't like leftovers. Give him the first. And when you truly live your life with the principle of firsts, your time, your energy, your attention, your heart, your money, all of these things, when you give him your first, you are going to see God do amazing things. And you are going to walk in an incredible story that he is writing. Sure, it's going to have some ups and downs, but in those down times, guess what? He is there, and he's going to pull you out, and you have stories to tell your children. As our kids get older and they become adults, we have these conversations quite often. They'll say, you know, Mom and Dad, we remember when this happened. We remember when God came through at the last minute. We remember this. And so it becomes those pillars of of incredible movements of God, of how God provides. And guess what? Our kids, when they walk in their their faith, they're going to be able to look back and say, I'm facing this, but God. But God did this in our family. And I remember that. I'm facing such and such, but God. But when you don't put him first, those stories are very few and far between. You gotta, we have to trust in him. Try him first. Instead of living in constant and fruitless worry, Jesus gives his followers the different outlet for this. Pursue God's kingdom. And really, in short, just don't worry about the things you can't control. Don't worry about the things you can't control, and don't worry about tomorrow. Again, it doesn't mean you can't, you can't plan, you can't budget. It doesn't mean you can't do those things. He wants you to do that. It doesn't mean you can't save. Yes, but don't worry about tomorrow. Because guess what? We are not in tomorrow. But guess who is? God. He's omnipresent. He's in our future. He's not only in your tomorrow, but he's in your five years from now. He's in your 10 years from now. And yes, he knows the day You will die. I would rather put my faith and trust in someone who knows that more than anything. Faith 
and hope and trust in God. But guess what? In the meantime, stay faithful. Stay faithful. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Whether it be financial issues, relationship issues, health issues. You want to take care of yourself. But you don't need to be over-consumed and anxious. Maybe worries of where your next meal is going to come from, how you're going to pay the electric bill, the car note, the gas for your car. You might be worrying about a health issue. You might be worrying about somebody in your family. And let me tell you, we were not designed to carry that by ourselves. This is why Jesus takes time on this. Do not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough troubles of its own. Just focus on today. And so if you have some worries today, I want you to right now to just give those to him. Just surrender those to him. Say, Jesus, I give these to you. I give my worries to you. I give my anxiety to you. I give my concerns to you. I need you to take it. I trust in you. Forgive me for doubting you. Because when I worry, I doubt in my Father providing for me. Please forgive me for worrying. I trust you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.